Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTEGA podcast. Hope you're all doing well. Mikey Stafford and Roy O'Neill with you now. And we have been joined by Connor Neville of RTE.ie and Peter Canavan. Um, how are you getting on, Peter? Fine, Mikey. Thank good, you. Good stuff. Um, you two are grand, I'm sure. I don't really need to ask you. Here, yeah? yeah <coughs> how are you? Uh, Jackie Tyrrell will be along later to uh, continue the Munster versus Leinster argument in Hurling which has replaced previewing league matches that nobody believes the results of <laughs> but uh, here we are to preview the football championship uh, sorry the football league uh, next round of matches um, and I think most people would agree uh, the most intriguing match uh, for for a couple of reasons is probably the game that's on RT2 happily uh, on Saturday evening uh, Kerry versus Armagh um, Obviously, Kerry coming off the back of a big beating against Mayo. Um, Armagh having a typically kind of rousing start to their year, uh, even throwing in the recent defeat to unbeatable Roscommon. Um, but I suppose, Peter, what it is mainly for people is probably Kieran Donaghy going home to his hometown as a member of the Armagh backroom team to try and, you know, give Kerry another kick while they're down. Um, you would know him reasonably well from your days together working at Sky. Um, were you surprised when he went? The kind of you surprised by kind of the commitment he's shown, I suppose, because a lot of people maybe thought his love of basketball, the fact he kind of played the game with a smile on his face. I don't. I think a lot of people were kind of surprised when he showed kind of, um, say, uh, kind of you know, a desire to go into management. Did it would have surprised you? Well, not at all. It didn't surprise me. A couple aspects of that, Mikey. First of all, the Kieran McGinney influence. I don't think he would have went to um, Armagh willy nilly. Um, I think Kieran McGinney did a good job in, in convincing him maybe that there's serious opportunities, prospects with this young Armagh side. And you have to take that factor into consideration. And plus, Kieran's own judgment. I don't think he would have wanted to go anywhere. He had different offers to go to different clubs and counties, I have no doubt. Um, but he decided in Armagh because I think he's seen the potential there himself. And there was an opportunity maybe for him with that setup, for his voice to be heard, for him to implement the type of things that maybe that, that he can bring to a team. So I think it was a measured decision. Yes, there's a serious commitment there. But you know, when it comes to commitment, be it basketball or to football, to his own club, you know, he's 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 has, has given a lot to a lot of different sectors. And I think if you asked any of our mob boys, has he bought in to what they're doing, you'll get uh, a definite answer. And you only have to look at some of the, you know, the set plays that, that have, have happened this past year or two from throw-ins, from free kicks, different things. Kieran Donnelly stamps all over it. And uh, I think they're very happy with him. He's getting a kick out of it. And they would, uh, he would certainly relish uh, Armagh going down and getting one over Kerry now at the weekend. Yeah, he's he, like it, it's a stacked backroom team, obviously. Is that how you see his role? He's he's kind of, is he the attack coach kind of? Is he the forwards coach? Is that his role or does he have more of a kind of a more, uh, does he have a more overall view, uh, view on things than that? Well, you see him here and here. I, I presume he has a, an overall say in things, but from a training point of view and from speaking to him, you know, he has different ideas and ways of, of doing things. He's big into his coaching. 
and he's getting a kick out of it. So be it defensive or um, offensive, you, you look at his basketball career and aspects of the basketball game that are very relevant to Gaelic. I know he's brought that to them. And it appears in Armagh that there's a bunch of lads there that are, are taking everything in. And as a team, they're certainly moving in the right direction. Yeah. Rory, it's, it, it's kind of phenomenal what he's doing just in terms of hours in the day. I've got a young family and, you know, I have a job. And if I manage, you know, one extracurricular activity a week, I think I'm fantastic. Um, he obviously has a job that takes him up and down the country and uh, kind of um, installing pitches. Uh, we bought played... a pitch off. We bought a pitch off them. Oh, very good. Just, just... <laughs> Shout out. Shout out. Um, he plays basketball at a, at a national elite level. Um, he was until recently at least playing for Stacks. I don't know whether he's... Yeah, which I think he's... is a fair point by Peter, actually, to, you know, the fact that I think he was nearly 40 and mm. still talking out for his club at senior yeah. level. I know they and... got relegated, like, but... And he's involved in a senior inter-county management team um, and a young family. Like, it, I don't know how he does it. Like, he must have space, an extra day somewhere. A lot of plates to be spinning, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. But, um, you know, again, just to go back to the point, I think uh, people are looking at that great Kerry team and saying, who will be the future managers? I don't know how many people now, without the gift of hindsight, would have said, Kieran Donaghy, he's, he's a guy now I'm going to see going into the inter-county management and coaching kind of down that route. I'd say probably if you were to talk to the Kieran Donaghy earlier in his career, when he was in his early 20s, you might have felt that. I mean, his book, I think Kieran Donaghy's book, the one he wrote with Kieran Shannon, is right up there with the best GA books that you could read. It's just drips in honesty, sincerity, humor. I, I've, I've met Kieran a couple of times. Uh, Peter's obviously worked with him. He's an infect. He's an inf- from my limited uh, interaction with him. It's he seem he would seem to me to be the kind of fella that would have an infectious personality, and that I'd say he just spreads a sort of a positive, good vibes kind of a feeling around a camp, and that's even before you probably take in you know any sort of coaching any sort of coaching expertise that he might bring to the table. And like, if you take the wide range of sports that he's obviously played at different levels, whether it's basketball, GAA, and I know he's very interested in soccer. I think if you then look at the Kieran Donaghy that maybe got towards the end of his career, it's not all that surprising. I think what's even more admirable is for him to take on that task of going up to Ulster, which I think we would all agree in terms of making people think more pomp they have a they also have really challenged how Gaelic football has been played in terms of they they just made you think about the game a little bit more and I think when uh, Kieran went up there I think he went up there with that in mind he's up there to learn from um, what he can get from that environment as much as he's prepared to impart himself. I would suggest, again, I'm only just guessing, and this is just looking from the outside in. And um, yeah, I think uh, he's a future Kerry manager for certainty. Jesus, get, jo- join the queue. You were saying, Mikey, he played with a smile on his face um, for Kerry, which he, which he did to, a, to an extent. There was also a, big, a, a snarl there. Mm, that's true. Yeah. Which was very, very useful. I always thought, like he stamped his that famous game in the Gaelic rounds against Mayo, that that sort of anarchic game which went to extra time and Kerry dug it out somehow against the Mayo team who seemed to be in their at their peak or close to their peak. 
Um, Donaghy really sort of stamped his personality on the game, I always felt. You know, he was introduced, he was on the bench for most of the season, came on late in the drawing game and rescued it. And then essentially was was a really dominant, vivid presence in that in that replay, although I think David Moran was probably man of the match that day. But yeah, you, you, his influence in Armagh, I mean, what struck me last year was how his demeanour on the line in that finish against Galway uh, in the quarter final, you know, he was whooping to the crowd and it was, anyone who was at that game, it was an incredible atmosphere and he was revelling in it and there was a, you could you could sense his imprint on the way our man were approaching that last few minutes, the kind of, you know, bullishness and the, the way they really went for the throat when Galway started to stutter in injury time and, uh, you know, he was, he was, he was dragging the crowd into it and he was, whooping on the line and uh yeah you can you can kind of he he's brought an element of that to our map certainly and you can see it in the way they play sometimes although i don't think they they win as much as they should to be honest but mm, well, that, that, it, it'll be an interesting it'll be an interesting reception he gets on saturday night mm. by the way I wonder yeah. will the rockies, the rockies will be out in force i'd say yeah. <laughs> peter uh, that's the the other element of it i suppose the fact that he's, he's going home to face his his home county um, in his I backyard. Think, yeah. In his backyard. I think I think the element of kind of insider knowledge can probably be overplayed. He's a good while out there now. He might have a bit of knowledge of, you know, the club scene or whatever. But I suppose from your own kind of time as for man manager and maybe in you know the odd the odd meeting with with Tyrone that there was during that time, like there's probably there's very little you can glean really just because you're a resident in the county. It doesn't mean you've uh, automatically got insider knowledge, does it? He might, he might have one or two small snippets of information on different players that maybe aren't as well known, but um, everybody knows about David Clifford uh, <laughs> and what he can do. Trying to stop no, use, no use knowing about him, really, is it? <laughs> but, but Mickey, in, in terms of a reception now, I would expect that, that Kearney get a good reception. Yeah. Unlike the reception the Cork supporters give the dubs down <laughs> and party yeah, 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 yeah. I think he, I think he'll be well received. There's some very unruly kids down in Parky Quiver, or you need yeah. to put manners on them there. They're giving well, you a bad name. I don't mind them booing dubs, generally speaking. That's that's okay. You know, it was when they were booing Keane Lynch as well. Like, hey, you know. Yeah. Um on, on Kerry here, um uh, we Peter, we, we often say in the hurling, like, you know, oh, Jesus, it's a league defeat does doesn't mean a whole lot, you know, yada yada. Football means a little bit more. Um, not that I think anybody thinks Jack O'Connor, as much as he loved trophies, is going bald-headed for the league this year. But the manner of that defeat to Mayo last week, you know, we know what the Kerry football public are like. Um, it's not unreasonable to say they will be demanding a response on Saturday evening. I, th- I think they will, yeah, absolutely. The, you're, you're quite right. I, I think if that went up to Castle Bar, produced a good performance, got beat by a point or two, it, it would have nearly been acceptable, but for, for Kerry to perform the way and the manner in, in which they lost that game, I, I think has taken a few people by surprise. Um, it, it follows on from the previous year's all Ireland winners, whereby they really struggled in, in the National League and were at a different level. So I'd say that would concern Jack O'Connor um, slightly, but um, look, they Still have a, have a lot of big guns come back in there. They they played the lined out again Mayo. I would say with what, what was it half was about fifty percent of the team that performed again Dublin the year before. So, um, he's a lot of big players to come back in. Um, aspects that will worry him obviously is is the scoring return. I think that thirteen shots in the first half against Mayo and only scored three times. Mm. So unlike Kerry, 
Um, you've, you've got to question their hunger. They didn't make one block in that first half. And for a Kerry team that prided itself last year and how they had come on defensively and as a unit working really well together. And then you just things that never happened, you know, in, in recent years, Sean O'Shea missing a, a 14 metre or 13 metre free kick. Um, so look, they, they can only go one way and I think we will we'll get a, a response. I, I wouldn't be convinced that they'll, they'll beat Armagh, to be honest. I, I think it's going to be really close. Um, but if again, it depends what team he, he puts out. If he puts out the strongest team, then you'd expect Armagh maybe or Kerry just about to, to take them. Yeah, because, yeah, it, it, like Kerry aren't playing themselves here, Rory, are they? You know, they're, they're playing against an Armagh team who have shown in the last season, you know, the last year or so that they're, you know, they're a serious outfit. Yeah, they're um, one of the best teams around, you know? Yeah, and they will be, um, we, we, we bigged up Ross Common here on um, on Monday, obviously, because of the manner of their third come from behind win in a row, pretty much assuring themselves of first top five football next year, etc. But the, other, the flip side of that is, if Jack O'Connor would be disgusted with his first half display, I'd say Geezer would be very disgusted with our man's second half display. So a response is due from both sides here, which is which should make it kind of very interesting. It'll make it very interesting. I think it'll be really interesting as well to see what the Kerry team is. I know we don't have it now. And that's actually, funnily enough, I was thinking about that. And it's a tangent that we, you know, that we're going down. I think it would really help the GAA, particularly at this time of the year, um, to try and make a little bit more about, you know, teams. Uh, like a lot of teams are publishing their teams. Jenny, I think Dublin are not even publishing it on the on the day of the game. And I think if they could get now, look, it's a thorny issue. It's as old as, you know, mm. it's as old as the day is long. <clears throat> You are fighting against the juggernaut that is the Irish team in the Six Nations at the minute. There's an awful lot of other distractions going on in the sporting world. And I think um, to try and kind of force your way into the news agenda, you know, I know the teams have to be submitted to Croke Park on a Thursday anyway for programme purposes. So I don't see any reason why they couldn't at least publish the 26 players that are playing and give people some indication and then at least allow yourself to get into the news agenda a small bit more. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I think from the game on Saturday night, I think it'll be a fabulous game. I, I like it's going to be a foot, I would say it'll be close enough to a full house. You know, you mentioned that the Kerry uh, public are uh, not the most patient of people, and I'd certainly agree with that. And uh, they will definitely need a big response. But, but yeah, I think Peter's 100% correct that uh, there, it's not like this is a really good challenge for them to actually find out now, you know, can we, arre- can we, can we, can we reverse what happened on Saturday last by going out and winning on Saturday against Armagh? And I think it's a really good test for both teams. You know, travelling from Armagh, Kerry at home, I think everything is set up for a really good contest. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a cracker. I feel Armagh need to... to we're hearing a lot about Armagh's potential sometimes. I, I sometimes wonder, is it... A, they need to deliver now it doesn't so much apply to this weekend but just in the championship overall like as a as a, I have a, a acquaintance of mine a friend of mine from Cavan I don't know if he's any without wanting to start a, a war with Niall McCoy my colleague a friend of mine from Cavan every time there's some praise of our man the press he goes he groans and goes oh more of the loving he seems to be he's convinced <laughs> there's some sort of loving around our man at the moment and there was a narrative which emerged from last year I think 
partly down to the manner of their championship exits, that Armagh were somehow ahead of Derry or had more strings to their bow or a higher ceiling. And I'm not entirely convinced of that. I mean, Armagh's record in the Ulster Championship is, is very poor, um, still very poor. I mean, last year against Donegal was a real letdown. Now, I know they bounced back well in the qualifiers. The, the manner of their exit to Galway, it was juxtaposed with Derry in the sense that it went to penalties and all the rest. But people seem to misremember the fact that that game was sort of petering out until a, a very chaotic injury time period where they managed to rescue the game and could have won it, of course, in extra time. But uh, there, there seemed to be a perception that they, their ceiling was higher than Derry or they were somehow ahead of Derry. And I, I, I wouldn't be convinced of that at all. No, particularly watching Derry on Saturday. Now, I know they were up against um, the opposition who were sort of over their, in over their head, but you know, Derry looked very honed. And if Derry played Armagh now, I would still, I would rank Derry ahead of Armagh based on... on uh, I, I would too. I'm, I think that's fairly almost logical if you take championship above kind of league ranking. Yeah, but um, I find a lot of people seem to rank Armagh higher. Uh, Peter, I just think of this idea, Armagh's media darlings, I think Armagh are of the opinion that they're the Millwall of the GAA. Everybody hates them and they don't care. That, I think that's how they like to frame themselves. Well, they're not in Cavan, they view it differently. <laughs> the, Armagh, they don't, like, they don't like to think of themselves as being liked, I don't think. That, that would suit them. That's good because I thought it was just thrown away like that. So that's not too bad. That <laughs> it's, only when, it's only when you're winning, Peter. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I, I take Connor's uh, perceptions on, on Armagh up until last year. I, I think I would have said that as well that they weren't capable of backing up two good performances in, in a row and that there was more hype to them than, than substance. But I, I think that has changed. I think. They are a different animal now. I think they do deserve to be up there themselves. And, and Derry are the best two teams in Ulster at the minute. And the the manner of their comebacks, uh, you know, they wouldn't have came back against Mayo in the last five minutes this year. I couldn't have seen them doing that before. Um, so I do believe they have a different mentality. There's a, a, a much better self-belief. And a number of players have matured become mainstays in the team. The like of Ryan O'Neill, for example, Andy Mornan is really starting to show his potential this year. So I think they have a lot to offer. They have a different ways and different styles of playing the game that not everybody can do. They can change it. They have the personnel to do that. So I'd be looking forward to, to seeing the progress, yes, in this year's Ulster Championship. And that's the big one for them. I, I do think they need to win an Ulster Championship as well. And at the minute, I would say, in, in my opinion, I would I would place them on, on, on uh, them and Derry on an equal spot, uh, footing. Yeah, um, a tier below then, Peter, I suppose, are, are coming in the Ulster ranking would, would be coming Tyrone, who have a very difficult assignment uh, this weekend, obviously going to Mayo. Mayo have two home games in a row, which will suit them lovely. Every They'll have a They'll have a full house two hours before throw-in, probably, or the, the main stand, anyway. Um, and it's difficult for Tyrone, two away games in a row, going down to play, you know, kind of the Connacht powerhouses, because Connacht is the home of Gaelic football, now the top three teams in Division 1. So, for a team maybe a little bit short on momentum and confidence, it's the fixtures haven't been too kind to Tyrone, have they? And to the West, is not doing us a pile of good up here, to be honest. But um, it, it's funny, it, it's one place that... And, 
in recent years, Throne have performed very well as being Mikhail Park. So I'm looking forward to going down from, from the point of view there's always a great atmosphere down there and they're very passionate about their football. And I think this this will open up to be a good game of football. From a Throne perspective, um, Brian and Fergal have, have uh, various aspects of their play that they will be disappointed with. What, what do they look at first? Do, do they look at uh, how porous their defence were in both halves against Roscommon, definitely against Galway, where they were able to penetrate them so easily to get scores in the second half again, the breeze. Do they look at how we're coughing up so many scoring chances with, with 30 opportunities to score against Galway? Uh, I think our scoring conversion was 43% coughed up goal chances. Um, or does he look at the manner in which when we're playing again the breeze, how uh, the team seems to revert to containment rather than going at teams and and, and hurting them? Um, so look, there's there's various parts of of Thrones play that that certainly can be improved and will be a, a concern for for management. And they come up against a team now who's playing really well, probably playing you know as well as a hub in, in, in two or three years. There's a confidence about them. They're trying out different things and they're managing to do this without two or three of their so-called better players. So uh, it's a massive assignment for, for Throne. And if we can get out of Casa Bar, Bar with a point, I, I think it would be it would be an achievement. Yeah. The that that's an interesting point Peter makes there and that Rory about the kind of the kind of slipping back to reverting to containment because obviously two years ago Throne one in All Ireland. That was exactly like they were. They were breaking a pace, and they were really kind of. They were aggressive. They were on the front foot, and that's kind of what did for that did for this weekend's opponents in in All Ireland final. Um, so it's funny to kind of see. You know, I know there there's been a bit of bit of change and a few kind of key players lost, but not too much. Too not too many. Same management team. It's kind of odd to see this regression. Might be the wrong word, but kind of almost like a kind of a kind of a retreat to a different style of play. Yeah, but I suppose from I wouldn't underestimate the loss of Conor McKenna. I think he well, played he's a the very, obvious big yeah, one. I yeah, think, I think he played a very, very significant role in them winning the All Ireland. Obviously, and um, just that out ball he gave them, and the fact that they, he could give them the opportunity to move, from, like you know, like to play that counter attacking game and move from back to front very, very quickly. Um, he's a similar type of player in so far as, in so far as. Uh, like he would have been sort of the Conor Callaghan for Tyrone in that, you know, you can kind of kick it in ugly and he'll probably still win it. And, you know, he had huge role, obviously, in the semi-final victory over Kerry. But, yeah, like I know Sean mentioned on League Sunday, he was extremely worried and I was kind of going first round of the league, you know, I wouldn't be kind of, you know, exactly getting too fretful at this point. And then obviously they win the following week, but you've got to probably caveat that with by saying, where are Donegal and then obviously the last last week no again 16 13 in June would I be pushing any panic buttons no the problem for them is it just doesn't get any easier like to have to go down to a rampant Mayo in Castle Bar where their tails are up it'll be like it, it's going to test them I think we're going to see what Toronto are made of and if they get beaten comfortably again then maybe the alarm bells do have to start ringing yeah, uh, a word on 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 Mayo Connor. Everyone, you know, the GAA's favorite favorite soap opera. Kevin McStay went in new new lead character. weren't sure how it was going to go. Um, I I think people are are kind of happy with how it's going thus far, and with the discovery of players. I think Lee Keegan has uh 
rebuffed Rory's advances and, and won't be returning. Um, I still yeah. wouldn't be so sure about that. <laughs> he, yeah. He's not giving up. Jesus. You want to take the message. You'll get done for stalking, Rory. Um, <laughs> so kind of just your early impressions on Mayo. You know, you've watched them a lot, written about them a lot. Um, what do you think of Kevin McStay's Mayo? Um, yeah, I mean, I we, we were expecting a kind of a awkward transitional year for Mayo, you know, losing a couple of their best players from recent years I mean the most striking thing for for me is is in the aftermath of the 2021 All-Ireland final you know there was a lot of bad feeling among the Mayo fans around Croke Park when you were coming out and you know the uh the wistful uh kind of pride that they some sometimes felt after losing narrowly to Dublin wasn't there and one of the the, the big consensus opinion to emerge I thought was that Aidan O'Shea's days as a full forward that that notion had been you know dispatched for all time he wasn't a full forward so it's very strange to see Kevin McStay come in and Aidan O'Shea suddenly reborn as a full forward and suddenly a very potent weapon for Mayo uh, Lee, Lee made the point in the column uh, last week that uh, his rebirth in that role is very much uh, conditioned by Mayo's slight change in their attacking approach whereby they're no they're no longer you know absolutely devoted to the running game which they appeared to be in that in that final against Tyrone and there's a lot more uh, early kicking going on and he's feeding off that and he's you know he's laying off the ball he's winning ball he's drawing defenders and he's he's slipping passes off to off to the Ryan O'Donoghue and so forth and you know the thing about Mayo is I mean it's such a deep Gaelic football culture that you know, you think you think they're going to be in transition. I mean, we thought that after the 2019 All Ireland semi final when they were finally hammered by Dublin, properly hammered by Dublin, which hadn't happened before. And yet, the following year, they're back again. They're back in the next two All Ireland finals, as relevant as ever. They always seem to find players. There's a steady stream of players always coming through because you know it's such a fevered culture. So they have David McBride coming through now, and Bob Tui and lads, and you know the it's remarkable consistency to them and they never seem to there 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 have been very few lows in the mayo story since 1989 you know they've just been a constant presence almost with the exception possibly of the late noughties but you know they're back again they're relevant as ever i'm not sure i i'd be you know calling lee back urgently and saying just to get his medal in time you know because you know, we're very early days. I mean, you'd have to, I'm not sure how relevant Kerry's form is at the moment because, you know, they were laid back. Obviously. And Dublin can't be judged very well because they're playing in Division I mean, 2. We, we saw how misleading the league was for Dublin last year. We know we know the kind of off-season Kerry would have had. So, you know, it's. I, I'm not sure how relevant it's going to be come the championship, other than to say Mayo are clearly <clears> in fine fettle and there's a good, there's a good mood out there and morale seems to be high again. Yeah, we, we, we won't try and preview all games by any means this weekend, lads, because we've kind of had a good focus on two. Just to make, you mentioned it briefly a few minutes ago, Peter, just uh, um, Galway are travelling to Donegal, who, as we know, never lose in Bally Buffet, um, as Niall McCoy said here on Monday, but never win in Letterkenny. So not going through the best of times, having lost their captain for an as yet unknown period of time. To be welcoming Galway to Letterkenny rather than Bally Buffet, they could really use two points and um, an encouraging first win. But I think now we're kind of seeing kind of the, the Donegal season that maybe some of us kind of suspected we might see 
a blip or do you think they have the players they've got a lot of players coming back so do you think they can even without McBrearty they can turn it around they certainly have quality players Mikey but whether they have the players of, of the leadership to turn it around I'm, I'm not convinced and yet you look at Galway and you know the Donegal supporters are saying well we don't have Murphy we don't have McHugh we don't have McBrearty but Galway didn't last week against Rome didn't have Comer Finnerty or Shane Watts three of their best players yet they have been performing very well so um, it's a massive game for, for Donegal I was impressed by Galway and last Sunday and that the game was going away from them and by all intents and purposes with a, a, a gale force breeze thrown on top um, it would have been easy to, to go through the motions and, and, and suffer a defeat but they didn't accept that and you talk about players standing up and I thought Matty Tierney did that brilliantly when they needed leadership um, he was there for them he won ball in the middle of the pitch he drove them forward and he got scores as well so um, it's a big ask it's a big ask from, from Donegal they desperately need the points um, but I, it'll be a surprise to me if, if uh, Galway don't turn them over once again on, on Sunday yeah, yeah, and then you're really looking at kind of a, you know, kind of a, they're looking down rather than up. Then I suppose even with like uh, three games to play, um, half twelve, half twelve throwing, which is unusual. I know, it I know it is, I, yeah. I, it's on TG Car, so I guess they're they're trying to squeeze in as many games as possible. Um, we'll finish up now in a minute, but um, seeing as we have you on, Connor, um, mentioned on Monday, um, that you know, at Watford have no points. Uh, Division 4 kind of expected Limerick having no points about Division 2 not to be altogether unexpected but um, for both Tipperary and Longford to be pointless at the bottom of Division 3 is is probably not what anybody would have predicted I think at the start of the year and they're playing each other in a relegation four-pointer in uh, in Pierce Park on Sunday are you hopeful? Uh, no I'm not no uh, <laughs> well you know the O'Byrne Cup has won this year, so the silverware, the silverware, <laughs> it's already a glorious, a glorious year as far as as far as I'm concerned. Now, uh, yeah, it's been a horrific start to the league for Longford. They have uh, scored in three games. They've scored twenty eight points across three games and conceded five fifty, which is pretty bad. Um, particularly against Westmead, uh, they were 8-4 up coming up to halftime and proceeded to lose the rest of the game 4-12 to a point. Oof. Now, that was slightly exacerbated by having two men sent off very late in the game, so it, the wheels came off properly right at the end, which may have added to that. They, uh, they're they taking on a tip team who aren't in great health themselves and have a lot of injuries, so there's a chance with home advantage they could sneak a win, but... Um, you suspect, based on the the form form lines in Division Three, that whoever wins it, it will it may be their only win. <laughs> Longford have been in Division Three, I believe, since uh, sir, I think since they got promoted in twenty fifteen. So they've been they've had a lengthy enough spell in Division Three. Should have got promoted uh, a few years ago, only for Sean Quigley, I think, to score mm, points right. in injury time to deny them. Um, so, you know. At least uh, change the scenery next year. <laughs> Join us in Division 4 is lovely. Um, thank you, lads. Uh, there's obviously 16 games on, um, but we can't cover them all. And I think we've, uh, we have we gave a good look at a couple of them there. So, Peter, thank you very much. And uh, we'll chat to you again soon. And we'll be back in a minute with Jackie Tyrrell to sort of look ahead to the hurling weekend.
Good luck. Cheers. Cheers, lads. Welcome back. Uh, we've been joined by Jackie Tyrrell to talk about hurling. Um, how are you doing, Jackie? I'm good. How are you, Mikey? Good, thank you. Good. Um, the games this weekend, God bless them, are a little a, a little scratchy. Um, but we'll, we will get on to um, Limerick v Galway and uh, Wexford v Clare later because they're kind of the two juicy enough ones. And they are Munster versus Leinster uh, clashes. <laughs> and Munster v Leinster has been has been dominating uh, on a quiet hurling week somewhat. Uh, Rory started it last week with his declaration that the five best teams in the country are probably the teams <laughs> of the Munster Championship. Shane McGrath backed him up. I asked Shane McGrath to write a column about um, how Kerry being allowed to join the Munster Championship should they win Joe McDonough is good for the development of hurling. And I said, it's about time you Munster lads carried your fair share of the load for development. And uh, he did write that, but also added in a dig that at least four of the top five teams in the country are... Um, are based in Munster, which uh, got the got up the hackles of our friend Colin Parkinson, uh, whose podcast only, only four. <laughs> and uh, and Brian Brian Carroll may have suggested that his RTE radio compadre Shane McGrath must have been smoking something to say that. So Jackie, we've got a good old Leinster versus Munster showdown here, and obviously you're gonna you're gonna cut Rory and uh, Shane McGrath off at the knees there. Well, what I'd say first, Mikey, on it is that it, there definitely is a, a slighter imbalance on the two round robins. Leinster is, uh, with all due respect to everyone in it, it is a slightly easier because there are weeks when games aren't, aren't as competitive and as cutthroat as the Munster Championship. So I will admit that. Um, to Shane's comments, look, uh, there is some merit in some of them, but I suppose if you only look back to kind of the acid test, which is kind of the all Ireland semi-finals last year, you go, yeah. And Limerick are the market leaders, and probably by a bit of a stretch at this minute. You look then, who are the chase and pack? If you look last year, there was Clare, Kilkenny and Galway too being Leinster. So I suppose there's, in Leinster, Kilkenny and Galway are probably a little ahead of the rest of them. I know it's still early, but if you're looking back to look forward as well, I think you have to include Kilkenny and Galway. I think Shane excluded Kilkenny. Um, and maybe that's the, the, the transition of the Brian Cody uh, into Derek Linking. So I suppose to his comments, I don't agree with him. I see the merit of him. Um, but there'll always be this healthy banter between Leinster and Munster. It's just it's just the nature of it. When you've only kind of two round robins on it, there's obviously a, a big focus on both of them. Um, I'd like to think that Leinster is a more, um, what I say, a more... Um, more diverse than a more challenging championship versus the the, the the Monster one. And it goes into all this stuff. And me and Dale always have this Barney about the college's championship where in Munster, it's all about the hearty, hearty this, hearty that. There was 10,000 here, there was 2,000 here. <laughs> I say to Dale, you do realise after the hearty, the hurling only starts then and you have the all Ireland series where Kieran's generally dominates and you're wrapped up in the whole hearty world and still but stuck Ke- But Jackie, Cairns is the Kilkenny minor team. Oh, it is, yeah. I, I, I know it is, but like, her, the hearty, there's this mystique about the hearty as if <laughs> it's the Champions League. It's a Munster <laughs> final. There's a Leinster final. But like, there's a Connacht, there's an Ulster. 
Like there's an all Ireland still to be won, and, and it's almost like they win and they just celebrate that that's it. And it thickens my butt and I get on to Dale all the time. I know, I know. I'm sure. monster psyche that they just the world revolves around. They're giant, you know giants among is. giants among men. Look, I'll go to the Longford man who supports mm-hmm. Galway next in in Connor. Connor, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, all, I'm, I look, I'm, you know, I want to back you up here, but I have to obviously play devil's advocate. Um. Outside of beating Kerry in the provisional semi uh, quarterfinal last year, Wexford in seven matches after going back to 2016 since they last signed a better Munster team in Championship. They'll beat Clare on Sunday and then they'll lose to Clare in an All Ireland quarterfinal because that's what they do in the last couple of years. Um, Kilkenny, Clare, the only one of the top uh, of the Munster teams not to beat Kilkenny in Championship since Kilkenny's last All Ireland in 2015. Um, Munster won the last five All Ireland. That hasn't happened in, in the last six decades. And they've won 10 of the last 11 under 20 slash under 21 titles. So, um, unfortunately, um, Kilkenny and Galway can have their day. And I think the four out of five argument might, is Shane possibly trying to raise I think that's a few hackles. pushing it. It's yeah. pushing it. But, like, undoubtedly, Shane might be almost weakening his argument by going that far. There's no doubt that Munster is the stronger province at, at present. Munster's in the ascendancy, largely due to... Uh... Well, largely due to Limerick. I mean, you say Munster have won the last five. I mean, um, one team has won four, though. So they're, they're well ahead. And we saw last year's All-Ireland semi-final was very sobering. I mean, it's really softened the cough of the Munster uh, triumphalist brigade, really, the, that Kilkenny-Clare semi-final. It, mm-hmm. it went very quiet for a while. Um, I am struck by the, the extent of the division between the two provinces. I always wonder, was it always this keen? Because... The last time Limerick lost uh, in the All-Ireland semi-final, I'm struck by a conversation. I, I was talking to a chap from Carlow later on that evening, and he was, I mean, I didn't know there was this keen provincial uh, rivalry that had developed, but he was absolutely reveling in the fact that Limerick had been beaten by Kilkenny. And you'd think Kilkenny is kind of the oppressors in Leinster, wouldn't, would be disliked by the rest of Leinster. It's not the case. I it's mean, called it's called Stockholm syndrome. There's a degree that Kilkenny's <laughs> dominance is sort of accepted in Leinster and people We're are whipped curs. <laughs> yeah, they're almost willing to get behind them at all Ireland level. And uh, there was I think because the Munster Hurling Championship has so much romance and mystique and uh, aura attached to it that it kind of the last three or four Munster Championships haven't been very good, though. There have been a yeah. lot of one-sided games. Bar last year's final. Take that out of it. I know, but in terms of perception, it has that. And I think, particularly at the start of the round robin, when there seemed to be great Munster games every week and Leinster was sort of seen almost in danger of becoming an afterthought, I think there was a there was a, an element of resentment which grew up uh, within Leinster, which I, I mean, I, I, and I was very struck by how the delight when Kilkenny overturned Limerick that day. And there was, you know, we were talking about the Munster Leinster divide then ahead of that 2019 All Ireland final, which could have gone either way up until the sending off. But uh, certainly at the moment, Munster is, is massively in the, is in the ascendant. I don't know if they're the top four, the top five. They certainly don't have five of the top five. I mean, no. I, who are the top four to four at uh, Shane News, Mikey? Oh, he didn't name them. No, no, no. He's too clever for that. Rory, who are the top four? If not, <laughs> rank, the, rank the five monster teams, Rory. Limerick uh, or top? Uh, Limerick. Limerick would be a good bit out in front. I do think, um, and I'm not. this isn't parochial, I think Cork are coming. And I think Tipperary are, are absolutely on the right road back. 
And going on what we saw from Clare last year, despite the injuries they suffered and the absentees and the depth that they've put into their panel, I'd expect a big show from them as well. Waterford really are the ones that you just can't really put your finger on because obviously they won the league last year and were fantastic and for some reason blew up in the championship and they have a dreadful record in the round robin. So I suppose there's the four of those, but then you throw Waterford into the mix and you just don't know what could happen. Davies first year. Yeah, you know, normally, he, normally he gets a bounce, doesn't he? So, yeah, I, I don't think it's that outlandish from um, from Shane to suggest that. And obviously, look... Well, I you wouldn't. The, you said the top five teams. I read a little <laughs> bit further, right? Now, the one thing I'll say, there's a few things. Look, the reality is Munster has dominated the Hurling Championship for Barry. You take Kilkenny out of it. I think, or let's say there's 140 All-Irelands. I think like Kilkenny have won 37 or whatever it might be, 36. Or I, I think Munster have over a hundred. So that's just, they're just the facts. And that goes from minor all the way up to senior and probably across club as well. And then you, um, you throw into the mix, I think a big part, and I know people might say, look, Claire flopped. I do think that there is an element of Munster just being that little bit more, you just have to put it on the line a little bit more in Munster now to try and get out of the province. Whereas like you can have your little down weeks in the Leinster Championship because you've got your Westmeads, your leashes and your Antrims in there. Um, obviously leash, not this year, but you, you it's, it's, it's easy. It is easier to make it, make it into that tree to get out. And I think that certainly adds a freshness, which I think might've had something to do with the flat display that Claire gave in that All-Ireland semi-final so you'd have to cut them a small pass on that front but look mm. I suppose yeah it's it's a good argument and it's a good discussion it's a good debate and there is an element of snobbery around it I I, I suppose really because Munster Hurling an element? Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Go on Jack, Jackie expand on that because like your your playing career was probably you know was was not dominated by but was defined somewhat by your rivalry with with probably Tipperary more than any other team yeah um and that was probably just like Tipperary Kilkenny has nothing to do with Munster and Leinster you're just like rival you know you're just neighbours who fucking hate each other but like the 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 Munster snobbery thing is that something that would have ever like crossed your mind or been discussed when you were still playing um Not, not really, because I suppose traditionally the Munster Championship, you think you go back to when it was just knockout on a first round of Limerick and Tip or Cork and Tip. It used to be cutthroat stuff, you know. But I suppose you look back at the Championship last year, and if we probably guilty of kind of looking in the Munster Championship and expecting all of the teams every week to be really, really good and really competitive. But if you think of last year, there was some soft touches in the Munster Championship around last year. You think of Waterford's limp performance down in Clare last year. You think of Waterford's their performance against Cork in, in, in Walsh Park. How poor Tip were last year. There were some probably down weeks there that weren't expected for teams that played against them. And although Antrim and, and Leash and the Westmeads of this world like you see what's Wexford happened to Wexford and up to Westmead. You mm. know how hard it is when you play Antrim. Like so I suppose it's it's probably looking in at it, you kind of just have this overall view and sense that Munster's more compa- competitive than Leinster. But when you actually break it down, it's actually not a, the, the the gap isn't as big as probably people perceive. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Um we're pushed for time for hurling this week, lads. So we'll 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 push on and have a quick look at a couple of the games. Um Connor starting off, uh, your beloved Galway, 
are are hosting Limerick. Um, the last couple of years, we've probably looked at we we've kind of thought that this this was kind of some kind of a precursor of a a bigger championship kind of battle to come, and the early rounds wouldn't dissuade you from thinking that again. That like, at least physically, people look at Galway and say, yeah, they're the team best matched. To, to play Limerick but as we've discussed here a couple of times I don't think we've seen anything like the strongest Galway yet because of their massive Fitzgibbon um, kind of uh, commitments and the fact that Henry Shefflin has been trying out as many players as possible so do you think this will be the day Fitzgibbon's over a week might we see something close to the strongest Galway side or do you think Shefflin's too cute to play his strongest hand against his main rival? I don't know will he be minded to do that. I mean, they did put in a strong performance in the Gaelic Grounds last year and won well. I think Finton Burke was man of the match, so they seemed to target it last year, albeit that was thrown into relief by Limerick's displays generally. Limerick loses to everybody except... Yeah, uh... so that was thrown into... <laughs> Awfully. Context. Um, yeah, I th- Galway have been... I thought they were pretty impressive now against Wexford. I mean, they were fairly sluggish in the first half and they didn't appear to be tuned in and Wexford's kind of waste, incredible wastefulness in front of goal left the minute and then they just sort of put on a spurt for a while and killed the game. And particularly, I thought they were very impressed, particularly Garage McInerney at full back was very good that day and uh, Whelan again was good. Um, so, you know, he's trying to find new players. I mean... You would like to see more from from the newer crop to emerge. I mean, Evan Nyland, after a couple of wobbles on the freeze against Wexford, was unerring afterwards. But you'd like to see more from him in in general play. Jarlett Mannion was taken off at halftime that day. Um, Don Loche scored an early point, really influenced much afterwards. So, you know, it, there is a it's it's the general problem in Galway that they're still kind of going back to the. The, sort of the 2017 crop and they're still they, they will still be the, the linchpin of the team now they have added a couple of players since then Jack Grealish and uh, Darren Morrissey are very good at cornerback and Concanon who wasn't actually around in 17 he came on in the second half against Wexford and was was really good you know he really sparked a kind of uh, fizz about the team uh, losing to Cork I mean I don't know what I you know they had a semi-experimental team against Cork so you'd have to put that in context I know Cork don't require much evidence to conclude that greatness is at hand (laughs) Rory is you know they've lost five championship games in a row to Galway but apparently that doesn't that doesn't count for much Uh, you don't need to scratch the surface too deep quit living in the past Connor quit living in the past (laughs) but last year uh, I would say I, I, you know, it, it, Limerick seemed to be more uh, clued in for the league last year. I mean, they, they, they wrote it off entirely the last couple of years and that did it more than anything to damage the, the, uh, the gravitas and the perception of the league. So they're playing Galway this week. They look pretty good against Clare. Uh, it'll be an interesting game, but again, mm. with the league, you don't quite know what you're looking at or, or what it means down the line because Galway won last year. Yeah, the whole pile of uh, yeah. impact later on in the year. Although the semi-final was very tight. Yeah, Jackie, I I do notice like John Kiley does seem to have a kind of a a steely kind of air about him this year. Partly it's because he's stonewalling all questions about Aaron Galland, so he has to be kind of a bit menacing in press conferences or in in interviews. But I I don't know. Like he seems to he seems to mix things up every year. It's not like he says, "Well, we did this last year, so that's going to work this year." Like he's clearly thinking differently about the league than he was last year. And um, for me, that just makes this game kind of quite exciting because I like Limerick probably did try quite hard last year against Galway. I think they tried quite hard in all their games, but clearly there was training and kind of conditioning elements in there as well. This year, they seem a little bit different to me. How about you? 
Yeah, I, I suppose it's and like <clears throat> if you look at the two games he's had, the first game against Cork, a really good first half, a poor second half. The game against Clare was a non-contest, so he hasn't really got uh, a really good read of where the team are. He won't be anyway concerned, and without being dismissive to Limerick, there's not much to see here. They're an animal. They're going to be an animal. They're going in the right direction. They seem a little more ahead of the advance of where they are last year. The only interesting, interesting thing from from the point of view of the weekend is where Mike Hoolan is in, in relation to this team. Could he push hard for a, a starting spot? Adam English, after Fitzgibbon campaign, who had a good, who had a good um, second half against Clare, where are they at in their trend as regards pushing these guys, Colin Coughlin, of those three, how close are any of these lads suppressing any of those mainstay those pillars of that team and putting the pressure on so that's kind of the limerick side of it really um i think galway is the fascinating thing i if if i'm henry and i'm i'm getting a read on henry i think there'll be a couple of things he'd be looking for this weekend he will be this will be one of the asset tests that he will have looked throughout the league and put a ring around this right they've had a decent record against limerick in the league he'll be looking for a couple of things one we shipped four goals against cork and salt hill that doesn't happen the weekend he wants a really good performance from his defence. And if I'm Henry, I'm going to overload on the side of new guys. We know what Garrod Mack can do. We know what David Burke, Dahi Burke, even Connor Whelan, the Mannions, What We know what these guys. What can Kevin Cooney do? What can Martin McManus do? What can Evan Nyland do outside of freeze? Great if he scores nine or ten from freeze, but is he working hard? Is he putting pressure on? Is he winning hard ball? Is he getting points from play? So that's what he really needs to learn the weekend. Him winning the weekend, it's not the be-all and end-all. He'll be looking for a really good, strong defensive performance. And some of the, who of these four or five cohort of lads that have been putting their hands up, who looks to be the front runners that I can look at seriously for my 15 come uh, championship time. And that will be the big focus from Henry this weekend. And Mikey, this, like in boxing parlance, and I've used this before in relation to Galway and Limerick in particular, like in terms of styles make fights, they nearly always deliver, you know, absolute crackers. You know, it's just there's something about the way the two teams seem to match up. And I don't know whether it's because of the physical stuff, whether they're both well able to get stuck in on that side of it. You know, obviously there's an awful lot of linkage there between lads going to college in Limerick and lads going to college in Galway and they're quite close geographically. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, it's the hurling game of the weekend. Can't wait for it. The other one I'll just mention, uh, just just briefly, uh, last two years, Wexford have beaten Clare in the league and then not beaten them in the championship. Let's not go any further into it than that. So we're all agreeing Wexford are going to win on on Sunday, yeah, they're going to oh, yeah. be Claire. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, a, a blow, a blow, a blow. <laughs> they'll strike a blow for the Leinster, the Leinster flag. <laughs> yeah, absolutely will. And let's not rule out Dublin, given early kind of best boys in class, Tipperary, bit of a fright either. Because I think you know, I think Dublin. I, I think it's possible. I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility. But we are really out of time, so we'll talk about these games on Monday. And um, you can. <clears throat> follow all the action on Saturday and Sunday sport of course on RT Radio 1 we'll have reports and live blogs on the RT come on Leinster come on Leinster <laughs> and uh, we, we have a football match on the telly on Saturday evening it is refresh my memory somebody Kerry, Ma- Kerry Armagh Kerry Armagh of course we are yes yes as we discussed earlier with Peter uh, okay that's at 5pm and um, so look we'll chat to you on Monday thank you much Rory, Connor and Jackie and Peter earlier and uh, we'll catch you soon Possession goodbye crucial from this how much longer will the referee allow Dublin lead by a point and there's the whistle it's over it's over
We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it! He hits it! What? It's over the bar!